Do you know what nemesis means? Hello and welcome to Direct, the podcast that takes a direct trajectory through a director's filmography. I'm Eric. I'm Levi. Social Network. The Social Network, in fact. Uh, it's a movie we watched this week. Levi, tell us about The Social Network. Rip straight from the headlines of IMDb. Harvard student Mark Zuckerberg creates the social networking site that would become known as Facebook, but is later sued by two brothers who claimed he stole their idea and the co-founder who was later squeezed out of the business. David Fincher, Aaron Sorkin, rocked it. Rocked it. It was fantastic. I loved it. Eric, how did you come down on this film? Oh, it's it's easily his worst movie. Really? Are you? <laughs> I'm just joking. It's really okay. Good. I was like, I was like, this is the hill. This is where you decide. This was, to, this was to worse than a- this was worse than Alien Three. Oh my goodness, that hurts. No, it hurts to hear. No, 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 no. Obviously, this is a very good movie. Um, it is a lot. You know, there's an, there's a certain thing with Aaron Sorkin shows that the, I feel like there's a reason why he's been so successful in television. I did have to take a break. Like halfway through the movie, I just got up, like got myself a Lacroix, and kind of chilled for like a second. And then got back into it. So I, you should have gotten up, put on a jacket, uh-huh. taken a walk with your wife, talk the whole time, mm-hmm. then come sit back down and continue. Did the movie. You, is that, that what you did? That's the Aaron Sorkin break. Oh, okay. I was just wondering if that's what you did. No, <laughs> you watched. It all I did up. end up. I did take a break in the middle of it, mm-hmm. uh, just with how wild the weekend was. I wasn't able to sit down and watch the whole thing yeah. in one go, um, and it it broke up just fine. You know, right. this movie, it's it's Aaron Sorkin. I've watched a ton of The West Wing, yeah. and so his his style of dialogue mm-hmm. is really really well executed. I think by the cast in this movie. Yeah. I think Fincher is a great director to. I think it was a nice. Uh, kind of contrast having his Fincher's visual aesthetics and his sensibilities combined with Sorkin's dialogue. I think this is a match made in heaven. Yeah, I I think so as well. It's interesting to me. We've talked about it before. Uh, David Fincher's got a knack for selecting scripts. He's just got oh, yeah. a freaking knack for selecting great scripts. And it's so different from the other directors we've covered on this podcast. Tarantino, Edgar Wright, Cameron Del Toro, they pretty much write their movies. Um, Guillermo del Toro is a few that were written by other people, but for the most part, the ones that you remember of Guillermo del Toro, he wrote. Uh, so to see a director and watch a director that doesn't write any of his movies and basically is able to keep a strong stylistic voice throughout all of his films through directing alone and picking other screenwriters as he goes along, it's very, very impressive. I mean, I have had kind of a revelation watching these Fincher films. I know we still have two more to go after this, but uh, I he is a way better director than I even thought he was. I mean, going yeah, through his canon is so impressive. I think we're watching him go nuclear because he has reached the point where, like you said, he has a sensibility for scripts, mm-hmm. and now he is... He has his pick. He is able to just take what he wants yeah. and go with it. And he's getting any actor, you know, actors that other directors would kill to have in their films. <laughs> and now he's just, I mean, it's that success that's feeding his success. And so we're seeing full blown David Fincher doing exactly what he wants. He can demand what he needs to. Mm-hmm. And it's just fed into this great uh, catalog that we're cruising through now. And we've yeah. reached, I mean, we're at ten thousand feet. We're just lean, sit back in your chair and we're cruising. And enjoy the ride. Yeah. We're thirty thousand feet. 30, yeah, feet. we are cruising. Altitude. I like to fly low. You like to just zoom low. <laughs> uh, you know, at ten thousand feet, you're able to take your seatbelts off. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I'm, I completely agree with you. It's kind of a travesty that he's never won Best Director. Like you look they, at so many of his contemporaries who have won Best Director: Steven Soderbergh. Uh. Alfonso Cuaron, um, Alejandro Gonzalez and Uritu with the twofer. Uh, you know, not to, not to knock any of those guys, but David Fincher has had such a strong voice for such a long time. It is kind of a travesty that he's never won Best Picture. When you look at like Seven and Fight Club, which are two 
of the defining movies of the 90s. No recognition there. And I know the Oscars were different in the 90s. But I feel like this this movie and Zodiac were probably his best shot at winning Best Director uh, in the post in the 21st century, and didn't happen for either of them. Who did he lose to? I I know this isn't that interesting. That's what I'm but... actually pulling up. Oh, the winner was King's Speech in 2011 against this. Well, that's was uh... that for Best Picture or was that for Best Director? Oh, that's Best Motion Picture. You're right. I'm scrolling down. This is Eric and Levi. Scroll IMDb. <laughs> um, directing. Nope. King Speech. They they ran a they ran a train on the awards. It appears Best Original Screenplay. Although they weren't nominated for that with the Social Network. No, they, they did were, win Best Writing. They won Best Screenplay. Screenplay. Yeah. Adapted Screenplay. Wait a second. This. So. How is this an adapted screenplay? Versus because it's based on the book by. Mitzer, Metcher, I'm getting it confused with your buddy Mitch, mm-hmm. um, and now IMDb's not backing up for me. Uh, this was based on a story that was done that kind of combined the, the it's not biographical, but sort right. of combined all of the information from the depositions. Oh, because there, there is a so, lot of, I didn't realize that I did a little digging um, with the help of Davey Mack. Um and and I, I did some dig- digging like the stuff that when he's writing like the uh the vulnerabilities of all of the dorms facebooks all the houses facebooks that's directly straight from his live journal you can actually read his live journal and what he posted that night that he made the face mash site um it's pretty interesting and it's funny to me because Mark Zuckerberg has like come out against this film, said, yeah, it's not really accurate at all. Uh, but at least the stuff that happened that night is pretty much set in stone by Zuckerberg himself. Uh, yeah, the, the if, night that he made Face Mash. If I was Mark Zuckerberg, I would throw some ink in the water too, just to muddy things up. Mm-hmm. This is not the worst depiction of him as a character. He... I think he gets a he'll get a pass because of how he's depicted mm-hmm. in this movie, but it's not the best depiction either. Right. And that's I think that's kind of the magic, and that's we should talk about um, the awesome fan theory that is in the uh, forums. The forums. Yep. Uh, but I think this is kind of the best case scenario for somebody as famous as Mark Zuckerberg, who is as socially inept as Mark Zuckerberg is. I think this really helps him out. <laughs> yeah, I, it's really interesting to me. It's the type of thing that you kind of got to let kind of roll off your back. This is crazy to me, dude. I'm reading Best best Achievement in Directing 2011. These are your nominees. Darren Aronofsky, the Coen brothers, David Fincher, David O. Russell, who I believe later won for... He didn't win for The Fighter, but he won for the one after that. Silver Lines play? No, he didn't win for Silver Lines play. Anyway... Uh, so it was them and then Tom Hooper for the King's Speech. And I know Tom, the, the King's Speech is a great movie to go watch with your mom, even though there is the whole segment where he <laughs> screams fuck the entire time. But yeah. I mean, seriously, guys, seriously, this is why nobody gives a shit about the Oscars. I mean, I, I posted it on the forums a little, like, if, uh, I think it was this week. The BBC released the top 100 films of the 21st century. Zodiac was number 12. Which I was like, I feel validated that I like Zodiac more than you did, Levi, because the BBC <laughs> backed me up on that. But the fact of the matter is, like, so many movies, somebody had mentioned, I think only like four movies in the top 100 were actually, had one best picture that were in this, like, top 100 list. So, uh-huh. best picture of the year is kind of a nebulous award like yes it means you won the award for best picture of the year but it doesn't necessarily mean that your movie's going to be remembered uh yeah. for a long time it, does, it doesn't guarantee legs yeah well, it's you know we we had this conversation back for probably tarantino or such you know mm-hmm. the awards are we should be not we can't get into it too deep because right. i think it is yep it's I mean, it's, it is. It's nebulous. And we're talking about, I wonder a little bit if this movie was, maybe is it too soon? Maybe it's too late? Uh, mm. You know, I'm trying to think now in terms of timing. I mean, Facebook, we got to college and we had Facebook and there wasn't, this movie makes it feel so sudden. Yeah. But at the time, I didn't notice any craze. And I don't mm. think I cared until the point where 
Oh, your parents can get on Facebook. That's when I was like, all right, well, this is no longer cool. Well, they could get on um, Facebook by 2010. Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't... That's the thing, is there's just... Wherever that transition period was mm-hmm. for it as a cultural phenomenon, yeah. I slept through it. I didn't care. It was just another... We take so much technology for granted, mm-hmm. and I certainly take Facebook for granted. It's crazy, man. Right after this movie ended after i finished watching the movie i grabbed my phone and i went on facebook immediately it was like so weird to me i I had to catch myself and say this is so strange like you really don't even think about it because it is such a weirdly integral part of our lives and the crazy thing about it is that it has legs i mean facebook has been around now for 12 years 12 years what technology platform is relevant for that long without I mean, sure, it gets updated from time to time, but I mean, it's it's pretty much been the same backbone for 12 years, and it still is the thing. I mean, I have an intern at work, and he's kind of my my litmus test for what's cool and hip these days, because it's like my yeah. first time working with a guy who's a dec- who's a generation younger than me, mm-hmm. and like uh, he was saying, like Twitter is a no go. Like nobody in college uses Twitter anymore. It's Instagram, it's Snapchat, and it's Facebook. Facebook is still relevant to young people. Yeah, it's the it's our ba- it's the baseline. I mean, yeah. that's and I'm glad to hear that Twitter's nobody's using anymore because mm-hmm. I never, I just could never get into it. I do, I try Instagram. There's something visual there that I right. really enjoy, uh, but Twitter was never gonna. And it's just so much inf- information. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's almost overload in terms of. You know, you see how many people others are following, how much people post. Yep. It's an, it's a nightmare scenario and I just can't invest my <laughs> emotional. I have a hard enough time not writing. I delete more posts than I make in a day. Hmm. <laughs> Honestly, I just, I get feisty about something. Uh, I'm, I'm Mark Zuckerberg with a live journal, but I'm so, I just, I'm such a, my posts. I've definitely turned into more of a lurker. Like I do not post as much as I used to. Um, and I and I try to really restrain myself as well. Like I try not to get baited into stuff. I know that nobody has ever changed their mind based on a Facebook comment. Like not that's yet. never been like the drop the mic moment. And you're like, oh well, if you put it that way, <laughs> you've completely yeah. changed my mind. No, no, no. It's it becomes this kind of festering uh, place where polarizing views can sit around and yell at each other. Yeah, just um, internalize that shit. But I'm looking at my Facebook. I mean, did post yesterday because I, I I got a high my high scores my highest score ever on Medieval Madness, the pinball game. So <laughs> that tells you what my life's like. Then yeah. August 24th, August 18th, like I'm basically posting maybe like twice a week at this point. I'm probably a little bit better than that, but it's usually it one line. Comments. I'm just I'm just almost tracking my random thoughts like mm. my most random thought of the day mm. and it's usually so cryptic that my parents have to and this is how facebook isn't cool anymore yeah and your parents are going what's that post about <laughs> i it's not for you it's me it's i not just for you. need to feel validated yeah the, the, i am mark so- zuckerberg don't pay attention to my live journal but seriously i'm super famous so <laughs> there's nothing i can do about it but be held accountable yeah, but at the same time, like, did any of us want to be accountable for anything we posted online when we were sophomores in college? Like, no, no and we don't probably ever. not. You know, <laughs> um, I mean, we could sit around and talk about Facebook for a long time, but it is kind of crazy to me. I feel like David Fincher has some kind of forward-looking ability. Like a thing like Zodiac is so interesting now in the post Anad Syed post making a murderer world. Mm-hmm. Um, something like Fight Club was so crazily ahead of its time, and you look at a movie like Seven. The brutality in Seven that's depicted in Seven is so shocking for a 1996 audience. It's like crazy to me that both Fight Club and Seven were made in the 90s. I mean, I know you're like kind of a post-Tarantino world where violence was kind of becoming this thing on screen, but those depict yeah. violence in such a sterile way that, and it's such a um, almost like I mean, Tarantino we've talked about it's very stylized violence. It's violence for for entertainment's sake. It's blood splattering everywhere. Um, it's over the top. But Fincher's violence is so sobering. Yeah, it's you know, yeah. 
Not that there's any violence in this movie, but it's just what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is that Fincher is ahead of his time. I feel like he could see Facebook as being the the story of the 21st century mogul before well, anybody else could. There's that. There's a theme, and I think it was Jesse Eisenberg pointed out in mm-hmm. an interview where he talked about the notion of alienation, mm-hmm. like this increased alienation we have with a heightened accessibility. Yeah. So we don't talk to people in person. You and I don't talk to each other in person. We record this podcast right. and then we put it on the internet for, you know, people we don't know to mm-hmm. listen to. Yeah. What it, that's a, that's a weird social construct that has arisen. Yeah. And it used to be relegated to the few, to the people who got into broadcasting. Right. And now everybody can do it. Everybody has the Welcome ability. Welcome to the 21st century. Yeah, I mean, you and I do hang out, but... Yes, but we don't record this, and I think right. this is a very... I don't, it's it's something about the, the nature of the fact that we don't record in the same room is... Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, and I remember back in the day, so I was a uh, freshman in college in 2004, so like, this was... I was... I rode this wave, baby. I was on the Facebook wave, and... Like I went to I went to a college in Southern California, so it was not one of these exclusive elite schools that uh, is mentioned at the beginning of this film. But so everybody, when I went to school, everybody had MySpace. Like MySpace was the thing, and everybody had yep. their MySpace page. Get, page. get that page, you know, post all your party pics on there. Change the background using HTML into something weird, like hopefully a GIF or something that could just move and look like an acid trip. Uh, you go to the page and it auto plays music. Remember that <laughs> you can like set a song so when oh, people right. go to your it, play, you'd page. have the gifts and yep. And it it was just all crazy. And then and then it just kind of started getting around. Like two months in the school, I would say like around like October, people were like getting away from MySpace because the main thing was that MySpace had high schoolers on it. And, like, we were all freshmen in high school. I mean, we were freshmen in college, so we still had friends who were in high school. So, like, they would tr- – people who knew you in high school, who were still in high school, would try to friend you on MySpace. And the cool thing about Facebook was at that time you had to have a .edu email address in order to get on Facebook. So it was a way to kind of shut out all of that high school crowd, and you were only dealing with the college kids. And it is exactly what this movie's about. It's about exclusivity. Uh and at that time, it was that way for years. Like, you had to have a .edu email address in order to get on Facebook. So it wasn't a place your parents could go. It wasn't a place your siblings could go if they weren't in college. And it wasn't a place where your old high school friends could go if they weren't in college. I mean, it was an elitist thing. Even if they went to community college, they couldn't get in. You know? So it was like this really elite thing, and it was clean, and they didn't have the gifts, and they didn't have all this bullshit on the site. Everything was super clean and cool, and I completely remember. like I was sucked into this, and I mm-hmm. joined in 2004, and I've had my account I've had my account for 12 years. At this point, I can't delete it because it's a time capsule of my life. So many pictures that could be lost if you were to delete your account. I'm yeah. scrolling back right now, by the way, just to see at what t- point our friendship uh, on Facebook started. Does- 2006. June 2006. Yeah. You're going to be around B-Town this summer. <laughs> so there's a throwback. This is it, you're, I, It's an institution at this point. It and is. I, the movie does a great job of encouraging. I mean, you scroll through your Facebook now, and there are ads. Right. Um, and they've been actively trying to roll that back at this point. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's definitely not what it was right. when well, it started. That what's cooler than a million dollars, a billion dollars. Right. But they and like they, is... they talk about in the movie, they didn't know what it was going to be at that point. So all they needed was users, and the users would decide what it was going to be. Once they had that huge critical mass of a user base, they were able to open it up to everybody. Once that happens, they had so many users. And I think when this movie came out, they had 500 million users, and I think they're up higher than that now. But they had so many users that at that point, they didn't need it to be cool anymore. They had the critical mass, and then they could just start monetizing, monetizing, monetizing. And then they could buy Instagram like they did. They could buy Oculus like they did. Um 
I'm sure they bought a plenty of other companies that aren't so uh, top of the line, but yeah, uh, it's really, really interesting that David Fincher was on the cusp of this, and this movie's six years old at this point. Like, well, and are that's you crazy? Are you saying that he's on the cusp of it becoming? He knew that this, this was institution. Be- this is before he is ahead of the. Now it's monetized. Now it's an institution. Now it's it's. Uh, I think was, it was he the at the point where it flips? And maybe yeah, I think there I were mean, ads maybe- at the time, but um, probably in 2010 there were probably ads on Facebook at that point. But at that point, everybody had a Facebook. And like, think about something like the Zodiac. Like Zodiac is a was a cultural zeitgeist moment in San Francisco. Something everybody was talking about before social media. It was. It was the thing that people tuned into the news every night to see. It was the thing that people flipped through the newspaper every morning to read about. Mm-hmm. Zodiac was a cultural moment, and he makes a movie about that. And then uh, two movies later, he makes something about Facebook. And Facebook is – like at that point, I don't think it was that cultural movement that it is today. I mean, at this point uh, – well, I mean, I guess so. I mean, it was post the Obama election. Obama was really the first politician to use social media in a big way. Yeah. Um, I mean, on a national scale. Uh, so I, I guess it was like at the, at the nascent phases. But if you had told me in 2010 that, that Facebook would still be as big as it was back then in six years, I'd be like, nah, it's going to fall off. It's going to fall off at some point. It looks yeah. like it's got the staying power at this point. And that's what I makes know. this even it makes this movie even more and more interesting to watch the further we go along. And that's yeah. what I'm talking about. That's what I'm when, talking about with Fincher having this viewpoint, this futuristic viewpoint and seeing that Facebook was the type of thing that would be would have the staying power to as where this movie is more interesting to watch the the older it gets. That's what I'm talking about. That's what's so kind of mind-bogglingly impressive to be about this. Yeah, I I'm pretty sure I had the same I shared the same thoughts like especially when this movie came out mm-hmm. it was p- predicting the, the death of Facebook especially <laughs> because there was that point period where everybody's on it it's not as cool you're getting a bunch of garbage right this is surely going to fall apart now and it just never left and I still check it probably yeah. hourly throughout the day absolutely so you, don't, you don't want to fall behind. It's the FOMO. You fear missing out. I mean, you want to be. Well, we all want to be Sean Parker. We all want to be on top of the next hip thing. Well, but at the same time, like you, at this point, it's not just fear of missing out. It's fear of losing everything that you. It's an archive. It's our own little personal library. It's our own little personal museum that we all have. So, like the last twelve years of my life are on Facebook. Like. I can't delete it at this point. There's so much there. And that's why... Have you, did you watch the trailer for this movie? Yes, I went through in the... It's so... This trailer is so amazing. And, like, I posted on the forums because uh, it just opens with a acapella version of, like, I think it's a boys choir, but it might be a... Uh, they're, like, basically all singing falsetto or soprano. They're singing uh, Radiohead's Creep. And, like, those words are so poignant and and radiate out when when you're talking about facebook you know super fitting uh like i want you to notice when i'm not around you know this whole this whole idea of that song which is basically about a creepy dude who gets who gets ostracized as a human being and just wants to be one of the beautiful people that's what that song's all about this guy, that's exactly what Facebook is about. It's so so good, and just they just have that song playing with flashes of images of like profile pictures and status updates, and it's so poignant. But yeah, it's yeah, it's subtle. It's nice and subtle. I mean, that's the mm-hmm. and that's something that they don't put a lot of into the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the few glimpses that we get of Facebook, it's not the same thing we see anymore, <laughs> right. and I barely remember the wall as a construct where you see your own things right oh uh, yeah it used to be called the wall yeah now it's and called now the you, just, you have the you get the feed yeah they're just feeding it to you like the gluttony and the seven deadly sins <laughs> by the way right now uh this is uh this is uh 2000 july of 2016 that's of july 2016 
Um, worldwide, there are over 1.71 billion monthly active Facebook users. Yeah. One point twenty sixteen. It can't be. That's and crazy. It feels like a million of those are just stuff that rolls through my feed and I don't even click on. Yeah, I well, you're uh, Levi. I hate to break it to you. You're not getting. You don't have one point seven billion friends, but you uh, don't even know. <laughs> I'm gonna have one less at the end of this podcast. So that's like that's like twenty three percent of the world's population. The and, uh, wait, twenty three percent? Yes. How do you know the world population off the top of your head? I don't. I have a computer in front of me. Wow. There you go. Great Googling. Good job. World's population is 7.4 billion uh, in March of 2016. So 1.7 divided by 7.4 is 23%. So, Crushed it. Thank you. I showed my math I really, on that one. Um, but that's, and I mean, that's that's insane. It's you, So this is, the, this, is, this is the Citizen Kane. This is the Citizen Kane of, of the 21st century. And I feel like this movie's only going to get more and more interesting as it goes along. Well, and who knows? I mean, I'm, it's it only time will tell. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think in my head. The way that I prophesied when this movie came out, I was like, ah, this is like the end of Facebook. And we'll look back at this <laughs> as quaint. It's not going anywhere. So where does it go instead? But, I mean, it's just, it's a mach- at this point, it's just rolling and you can't, can't stop it. And... You know, even if you watch, I, I went to watch some uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg interviews because I was really, Jesse Eisenberg, anybody he plays mm-hmm. comes across as ruthlessly efficient, uh, very intelligent, yeah. but with a little, you know, from Anti-social. his Lex Luthor. Yep. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's just, in all of his movies, he's got just, he's fast on his feet. I think right. a Sorkin script combined with Fincher's directing is just was just a awesome combo yep. makes mark zuckerberg seem you under you can see his madness and you go okay he's allowed to be crazy because <laughs> of what he's doing right and then but go watch like a mark zuckerberg interview like pre-2010 he's not very good he doesn't come across like this he just comes across as like an asshole hmm. um as they point out in the film. And then you watch things post-2010, like especially after this movie yeah. came out. That guy, he got some training. He <laughs> is not, He's a lot... He's also still not Eisenberg. Now he's right. just uncomfortably friendly. Yeah. So, and maybe he had to come to Jesus the way the movie suggests mm. uh, in his redeeming quality. I really liked how the movie was bookended with his, ex-girl, his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, Erica... Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, I think it was poignant given the character development that we see over the course of, or lack thereof that we see over the course of the film. Right. But at the, at the beginning of the movie and, and Davey Mack pointed this out on the forums at the beginning of the movie, Erica calls him an asshole and says, you know, it's, you'll, you think girls won't like you because you're a nerd. And I t- I'm telling you from the bottom of my heart, that's not true. It's because you're an asshole. That's what he tells her or that's what she tells him. And then. At the end of the movie, Rashida Jones says, you're not an asshole. Uh, you're just trying really hard to be, or you're trying so hard to be. So it, it the movie is bookended, too, with him being called an asshole in two different ways, which is interesting. <laughs> that's a great... That's how I want my movie. When Fincher makes my movie, <laughs> I need you to call me an asshole in two different ways. Levi, you're not an asshole enough to be I, called an asshole. I know. I try. It just doesn't work. But you mentioned it. I do think this is interesting. You mentioned in this movie uh, that they don't really show Facebook that much, and they really don't. They they There's- kind of keep Facebook on the screens, but they don't really show it that much. They probably the, they show it the most in the last scene of the movie when he's like keep on keeps on refreshing the page, seeing if Erica's gonna uh, accept his friend request. Um, but what they do instead of that is they kind of allude to all of the things that Facebook is through the dialogue of the movie. And I think that's something as to why uh, uh, Sorkin's script is so good is because mm-hmm. it talks about Facebook without talking about Facebook. It sets up Facebook as kind of this uh, this um, recreation of college. And really what they're talking about is kind of this recreation of the social experience. 
And so like the first scene of the movie, which is starts with dialogue over the Columbia uh, title placard, like they start the dialogue before the movie even starts, basically, which is a great thing to do with Sorkin dialogue. But yeah, um, the first scene is him talking to Erica about relationships and status. And it, it's like, you know, I have to be part. I have to be in one of the finals clubs because uh, it, it's going to lead me to a better life. And then he kind of digs into her a little bit, which is a total jerk move to make. Um, but it's all about status and it's all about relationships. And really that is that college, uh, that college experience that is trying to be recreated by Facebook in this movie is the relationships and the status. Well, that's what you're always taught in high school is you want to go to college and you could take the same quote that Zuckerberg gives, which is Mm -hmm. they're exclusive, they're fun, and they lead to a better life. That is right. what we're told, and so we get so obsessed with wanting to be in that yeah. to an unhealthy degree that we're oh, yeah. trying to roll it back now. We're trying to I think there are there are people and I don't I think they're right that not everybody has to go to college. Some people can go to into the trades. <laughs> like there is not a bad path as long as you find something that you enjoy doing. Yep. But we reach this peak. Not uh, maybe not a peak, maybe we're still climbing, but there was a moment that occurred at the beginning of this century where we stopped and said, maybe we don't all have to go. Right. But well, and I Facebook like that proves that that's not exactly true. Yeah, I mean, for a status thing, it, it definitely talks about, and they're, ta- th- I mean, this is the most elite college in the country. I mean, yeah. Harvard is the school of, of the United States. And I know that they had trouble shooting at Harvard, so I don't know how much of this is actually shot at Harvard, but they make this school look beautiful. Oh, I'm like, yeah. holy shit, man. I wish my dorm room looked like that. All of the... Have, did you notice this in the film that most of the shots were at night with the exception of the deposition? Like, every the dorm rooms, it was at night. The parties were at night. The right. programming was happening at night. That's the clubs and the bars were happening. Yeah, it was just... But and then a campus, a university campus, always looks gorgeous at night. I mean right. that gothic architect, that collegiate gothic architecture with just the warm street lights of the time. Now we have those mm-hmm. super bright LEDs, so they get a little washed out. But <laughs> in in that period, I mean, it was just I, you're absolutely you're spot on. I mean, it made Harvard just look. I'm sure there are people going to Columbia and Yale that would say, no, 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 <laughs> ours is the best. You have no idea. Ivy, but Fincher has has put his weight behind Harvard, his visual touch. Right. I mean, it, it is it is a beautiful campus. Um, but I, I want to get back to this because I feel like there's a lot of quotes in this movie that kind of talk about the online experience without being online. Mm-hmm. So one of them is uh, uh, Mark Zuckerberg is talking about uh, one of the things that he posted online. I believe he's talking about his live blog no, I, I believe he's talking about the farm animals thing that he posted in his in his uh, yeah. live stream. And he says, I was kidding, for God's sake. Doesn't anyone have a sense of humor? Which is like the go-to for anybody who's offended anybody. Now, I know that there, we, I know that there are some people who claim that we live in an oversensitive culture, and that's probably true. But there's a lot of people who hide behind the it was only a joke thing, especially in online culture. Yeah, like an easy like, defense. Yeah, I mean, sure, there are things that you know people get spun up about, but this is also the same argument that people who like swat other people make. It was only a joke. Nobody got yeah, hurt. I was trying to be funny. I mean, the SWAT kicked your door in and nearly yeah. shot you, but right. Huh? If you had heard my tone, I just it was the internet garbled my great comedic sense of humor. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, there's another one on here. Oh gosh, I don't have who actually said that. I th- I believe. Oh yeah, no, this was this was Rooney Mara's character when uh, Mark goes and talks to her at the restaurant, and she said, uh, "Yeah, it was so clever that it would be a crime not to be shared." When she, when he's talking about how he was like, uh, oh, so clever, so clever. This is another thing. This is this is like you know I had a I had a. Um, podcast called personal arrogance the reason why we called it that aside from the fact that we were drinking arrogant bastard beer when we came up with the idea is that to have a podcast 
you have to be self-aware that to have a podcast in itself is a little bit of an arrogant act. It's like, I'm going to talk for an hour every week and people will listen to it because it's that important. Uh, And that's, that is the underlying mindset to this type of thing, to these Pavlovian responses that we have to likes on our posts on Facebook is that we are just so clever. It would be a crime not to share this with people and get validated for it. Um, but it would be a crime for David Fincher not to make a movie this good. <laughs> like, think about if you're if you want to talk a little bit about the the arrogance of it. You think about yep. filmmakers and the attachment, the you know directors attach the way that we attach them to these films and their work. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they receive so much credit for such a large machine. You know, we could just as easily have a podcast you know, called act act, um, <laughs> you know, where we just cover an actor's mm-hmm. chronology. Uh, and I think it would be oh, that's more exciting. obvious their yeah. contributions. That's an interesting thing. But a director is really that, and especially to the degree where now, if you see, uh, M night Shyamalan's name on anything, it's M it's, night Shyamalan. 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 Um, you know, you see his name on something. It's like, nope, not even gonna, <laughs> not even gonna bother. Right. And he's not in the movie. There are a ton of other people involved. And does everybody share a little bit of the blame? Does everybody share a little bit of the glory? I mean, this is a, we live in yeah. a very arrogant society, I guess is what oh, I'm saying. Like well, we this give a the- lot of credit to one person for usually a large group of work. Oh, absolutely. The, and the other thing about it is we are like, we have kind of ripped the critique job away from the critics and we've given it to everybody else. And because of this, I feel like it's a major thing online is if you can point out all of the falsities and bullshit and plot holes is my favorite term that gets thrown around all the time when, when they're not actually talking about plot holes. But if you could throw this shit around, then you and you're this and you prove you're, that you're the smartest guy in the room. It's usually by shitting on other things, which mm-hmm. is so funny to me because most of the people who are shitting on other things haven't actually tried to be creative. It's this idea of every movie was made for my enjoyment, and if it if it doesn't if it doesn't humor me, then it is a travesty against the time that I spent watching it. You yeah. know and. You know, we can get we can take a deep dive into Batman versus Superman right, right. now if you'd like. <laughs> no, I don't think we need to do that. But uh, for the listeners, I did end up watching that movie, and I have an opinion on it that probably differs from most people. From the but that's from the, thing. the mean. You are the king of the keyboard. Like our kingdoms have been relegated to this fourteen inch by eight inch rectangle in front of our screens, and this is our this is where the powerless become powerful. It's this this small place in front of us. And so uh, you can use that to be a tyrant. You can use it to be a peacekeeper. You can use it to be a white knight. Uh, you could use it to be whatever you want. Um, but we have carved out, just as Sean Parker said in this movie, we've carved it out to where we now have these virtual lives online that are rich and have histories and have voices and we are continually contributing to this place. And that I feel like that's why people are staring at their phones all day long is because uh, that that is where their power lies at this point. We can we all kind of feel like drones going through the day. But if we could put something online and let it be set in stone, all of a sudden we've put our mark uh, on the universe in a way that we feel that we can't in real life. I think that that's kind of what this has all become. And in many ways, it started with Facebook. Well, and I think this is the genius of Fincher and Sorkin. And I think it's hard to draw a line between the two of them. I think they both get credit for this. It's not just that we have virtual lives. It's that we have developed our own parallel truths. And the Internet Mm -hmm. reinforces that because we're each telling our own story. And this movie is three stories. I don't know if you... uh, I really, I was pissed because Aaron Sorkin dropped the reference in an interview and I was writing in a big pen. I was like, <laughs> this is Rashomon. This is uh-huh. three different stories about the same event and yeah. 
trying to figure out which narrative is true only to discover that none of them are, that they're all bullshit to a different degree. Right. And we get Aaron Sorkin's writing because he, I think he was very meticulous in making sure that he was not conjecturing that all of this was pulled from somebody's story. And then David Fincher does the most beautiful editing job to piece this together just between rea- what looks like reality, but is in truth right. the past and somebody telling a story. You got to be careful with, with that, the though, deposition. And you got to be careful with that though. He did not edit the movie. You got to give credit where credit's due. I mean, directors have an influence over the editing, but they are not the editors of the movie. You don't think though, in some ways he gets for the, the moments where we go from, the story to the deposition. Mm-hmm. I mean, those oh, I'm, transitions I'm sure, and setting I'm sure the that he storyboarded and... it and that. I just want to give credit where credit's due. I don't want to, yes. I don't want to, well, I don't want to. What's the editor's name? Let's quick. Kirk Baxter our... and Angus Wall. Kirk Baxter and Angus Wall edited this movie and they won the Academy Award for Best Film Editing for this movie. So I just want to give credit where credit's due. Yeah. Well, it looks like they got credit. Yes. <laughs> Sweet. But yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's the really what's, it's, it's an interesting story to begin with. Mm-hmm. And I think you put Sorkin and Fincher and their lovely editors in a room and they manage to strike a visual and uh, dial dialogue, the yeah. dialogue and mm-hmm. the filmmaking yeah. reinforce this beautiful theme about we're telling our individual stories and we want that. We want to record it and <laughs> we have, and now at this point, we can't stop. Yeah. Because you'd have to... It's like copying your pictures over. Who wants to go... We all have these old photos. I don't have... As much as I should, <laughs> I don't have the energy to go and scan them all. Right. To have them digitally. Right. I don't want to start over. Exactly. And why why have a photo album that you have to be there to share with your friends when you can have a photo album that lives in immortality and per- perpetuity forever? Forever. It's kind of crazy. I mean... Yeah. It's... It's really, it's really fascinating to me, and I know we haven't talked so much about the film yet, but I feel like the themes in the film and the relevancy are something that we haven't encountered yet at all in direct. I mean, sure, we've we've talked about human emotions that resonate throughout humanity, but we haven't talked about an actual piece of the cultural zeitgeist that has been established and now is a part of everybody's life in such a big way i mean 23 percent of the world's population yeah and i'm they're... sure i'm sure plenty of those are bots but <laughs> it's still got a, it's still a healthy chunk of the people on planet earth have a facebook page yeah, and visit it's... it every month i mean you're right this is the first real time we've bounced up against something that is so current yeah and it's six years ago but in the grand scheme, I mean, that is very recent and it's <laughs> yeah. still going. It's still yeah. powering on. And I'm sure there's something out there that'll eventually come along and kill it, but I can't fathom what that is. Like it would really yeah. take quite a, it take another Facebook. You need another, you, you know, even Google with all of their yeah. resources Couldn't tried and nobody <laughs> used Google Could plus. Could not do it. Could not I get do it. Google plus stuff. Every now and again, I go, I wish I could delete this account. And that's Google's <laughs> one advantage is they don't let you, as far well, as I can tell. Yeah. Well, I mean, so there's a lot of cool things in this movie. I love that uh, they have Justin Timberlake Justin Timberlake saying the line when he's Sean Parker. He didn't want to be sued by everyone who's ever been to the Grammys. I feel like yeah. that's a tongue-in-cheek line <laughs> in the movie to have Justin Timberlake say that. Uh, I also love the callbacks to Napster this and Sean Parker because Napster is another very seminal thing that was in my life, seminal piece of technology that I used uh, exclusively, you know, and that really did change everything. And this predates Spotify. But if you look at Spotify, Spotify is a direct result of Napster. Like basically Napster gave us the expectation that we can listen to whatever song we want at any time we want for basically free and Spotify. And and if you, if you watch, there's actually a really good documentary on Napster on Netflix. 
if you watch the documentary, basically when they got into trouble with the record companies, Napster tried to work with the record companies and say, hey, guys, let's work together on this because this is how people want to hear their music now. Um, and all the record companies pulled out. But basically Napster mm-hmm. could have been Spotify like 20 years ago, <laughs> but, they're, but they lost out. And then you fast forward to 2016, Spotify is now like the number one music platform online. And it basically uses the same idea that Napster have. It's just you didn't have the streaming music capabilities that you have now. And you didn't have the mobile devices that you have now. So people couldn't listen to that shit wherever they were at any time. But it's so funny how you – I like how they talk about it in this movie because it did. It disrupted the whole music industry. It destroyed the music industry. And uh, and it was just stuff like that. Like this movie speaks to me so much because there's a whole subtext of my life that just goes along with the plot of this film. Um, so I thought that was good. You get those movies every you know 10 years. You get mm-hmm. the, the American graffitis that just – or the uh, uh, shit. Um, you get these movies that document sort of what it's like in that period. You know, mm-hmm. waking up at school, getting skipping school. Uh, Ferris yeah. Bueller's Day Off is another yeah. really good one. And you know, they try and capture the age, what it's like to be young in that period. And I think that this right. movie could be ours in a sense because this is. This is highlighting the the most successful makers, and they're under twenty one. I mean, yeah, they're uh, babies, and that's amazing. And the you the only thing you go back and watch is like William Wallace and Braveheart. Like maybe if they had shown <laughs> the fact that he was like sixteen, eighteen at the time when he did yeah. all that, instead of Mel Gibson, late thirties. Uh, there's something that this movie captures that I think in twenty years. It won't just be the fact that it's Facebook. It'll be the fact that it caught yeah. a bit of our culture, the college culture, right, the, the college culture, the, the run on electric uh, computers and programmers, that lifestyle. You know, you see them yeah. zip lining in the backyard from the <laughs> chimney in Palo Alto, yeah. and how it's just pure madness. Well, it's great because like I feel like this movie because I just got through with Silicon Valley season three, um, same. And is that season three or season two? Season three. Okay. Uh, so I got through with that. That that ended like what two months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm watching Halt Catch Fire. Plug for the uh, Com- Mutiny Community podcast, which I'm doing with Jim <laughs> on the Bald Move Network about Halt and Catch Fire. But I feel like Silicon Valley, Halt and Catch Fire, and the Social Network as a trio is so interesting to me because it's like late not late eighties. Uh, 2000s and the two, 20-teens. And this progression of those three stories over time, the nascent phases of computing and online, just online interaction in general, and then the creation of Facebook, and then the creation after Facebook, the whole tech culture of the tech startup and the startup culture that we have, live in right now. Um, it's just a really cool kind of companion piece to those three to those two other TV series, this movie really kind of falls nicely within the, that group of stuff. And I, I feel like we're going to see more and more movies about this stuff because yeah, it is the modern mogul story. Like we had the gold oil rush, we had the gold rush, we had the the newspaper rush, uh, and the tech is is the way it's the it's the way to become the accidental billionaire. You know, well, and yeah, that's the it's akin to the lottery we love hearing mm-hmm. that one story of somebody succeeding it's right? always my firm belief that as a species humans are the worst risk calculators because we <laughs> hold up these one yep. in a million shots right and say look this guy did it but look at all the other people that crashed and burned next to them it's- yeah there's that there's a thing that always goes it always comes back on reddit when people are talking about the odds it's like because like one in three drivers will get in an accident based on texting and driving or something and people are like oh that won't be me uh and then it's like well you have a one in a billion chance to win the lottery and they're like well you never know could be me and you watch every time every time the pot gets high enough everybody goes bonkers right buying a lottery ticket but there's the and that's we get the lost stories in this too and it's Mm -hmm. you know they're People who settled for vast sums right. of money, 
but they still lost. The Winkle, the Winklevosses still got their butts kicked. Right. And, uh, Zuckerberg's buddy Eduardo, he's out, you know, like these are guys yeah. that all got kicked in the nuts and there was only one in the end that we, the name we remember, even after a Fincher film. I couldn't remember anybody's name but Mark Zuckerberg when I started this movie. I had to be reminded of the Winklevosses and of Wardo and the rest of the gang. I mean, the yeah. one guy who didn't lose his share, the other programmer, I would have to sift through my notes, and I don't even think I wrote it down. But he was one of the people that came away with a decent share and still worked there for a, a long time after who? they really kicked it off. So, Oh, his buddy, the coder guy? Yeah. yeah. He worked there till 2008 and then cashed out, I think. Huh. I was digging through some profiles on Wikipedia. <laughs> Next. Yeah, I mean, I, I got to think that uh, that Severin came, came away with a lot more than the Winklevosses did. Oh, yeah. It, when it's undisclosed and non-disclosure yeah. agreements. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it's, well, it's it a says- bummer. And that's... Well, and he apparently he still owns shares. It's 2015, he owns 53 million Facebook shares and has a net worth of $7.2 billion. Jeez Louise. <laughs> so he came away with it. But the thing is, in this movie, I'm watching this movie, and I could not disagree with Mark. Like, he's trying to go around selling advertising in New York City and getting nowhere, and they're going after VC funding. VC funding is how you fund your startup. You don't fund your startup through advertising. Like he was incredibly short-sighted when it came to this thing. Um, And that's like throughout the movie, I had a really hard time disagreeing with Mark Zuckerberg in this movie. And maybe it's because we all know what Facebook became and he's the one who's kind of driving toward that. But everybody else seemed like they were either trying to hitch their, hitch themselves to his star or, they were just trying to give him the worst advice possible because I couldn't disagree with him in this movie. Even though we had those three perspectives, you can disagree with the things that he's doing socially and disagree with the way he's interacting with people. But his business decisions in this movie were really sound. And like when he's talking to Sean Parker, Sean Parker's giving advice. I'm like, this is the right advice. It's <laughs> the time is now. And I and so in that way, even though I felt bad for Eduardo when he got screwed out of all the shares, he was he was totally barking up the wrong tree in terms of the future of the company. Yeah, he was not the right. And that's I they did a good I think the acting was all the whether or not that was what truly happened, the actors very much held to their motivations. We really understand yeah. Eduardo as the the character that we He's the good guy in a lot of senses because he's looking out for a friend. He treats Mark like his brother yeah. and he's, you know, he's up front. He's given the money. He trusts him up until essentially the business kind of evolves beyond his abilities. Right. And that's where we see the ruthless efficiency of Zuckerberg. And you can, you can understand why he needs better business advice. And then you see Sean Parker as this. <laughs> You know, he's the fun, wild guy who his business advice is, is what Facebook needs. It's that kick in the ass that Facebook needs, essentially. Right. But he's also a dick and he's also yep. a wild card. You know, he's dangerous in a lot of ways. I mean, the, the way that he handled his social life seemed very, yeah. and so that's, I think and that's, that's, that's all up as well, but script. Yeah. So, you know, it's, yeah. it is punchy. It is. It is melodramatic, I'm sure, but yep. Justin Timberlake though makes Sean Parker just seem like <laughs> the coolest guy I want. Yeah, know. I know, but Sean Parker. Have you seen interviews with Sean Parker? No, I'm sure he's he nothing is, like Justin Timberlake. He's not a he's not a JT type. I know. I love. He's if maybe a Joey Fatone. Maybe a Joey Fatone. If we did an act podcast, <laughs> I'd love to do Justin Timberlake. I would not. I find that guy lovable. Uh, so, so some Fincherisms in this. There are I, you got to w- look out for this because I think it's in like every single one of his movies. Somebody walking into focus. What I mean by that is that the shot begins completely out of focus uh, because they're focused on a on a near uh, f- near uh, focal length, and then somebody walks into that focal length until they're in focus. He does that in like every single one of his movies. In this movie, he does it when Eduardo goes to the bank to close the accounts. And it's always kind of like this turning point moment for a character. Like that was the moment when Eduardo kind of stepped in and was like, 
uh, I am going to, I'm not being heard. I need to make a move to, to make my voice heard. And so I really want to keep an eye out for that. Yeah. Uh, moving forward. The uh, we also comes into focus. Yeah. We look into the fridge. We get the mini fridge shot. Yep. Uh, when, when Mark Zuckerberg is going to start coding face mash, he goes into the fridge, opens it up and there's just like beer and a Mountain Dew can in there. Mm-hmm. And he grabs the beer out, um, and starts drinking it. Uh, and then there's another thing here. Funny cocktails. I feel like cocktail is funny. Might be a Fincherism. <laughs> because this is, is this coming off of Zodiac? Is this something yes. that started with that? I don't think we saw yeah. anything prior. I feel like the Appletini and the Aqua Velva yeah. are both like funny cocktail moments. So I want to keep an eye out for funny cocktails moving forward. Yeah. Uh, because three grown men sitting around drinking Appletinis is kind of the funniest thing ever. And that. In fact, I. Because an Appletini is a drink that you only order if you never order alcohol. Yeah, if you don't know, if you can't drink a real martini, right? Please add get some a, sugar. Get an apple tini. Do you remember? Didn't we go to a martini bar when we were in Vancouver? I'm sure we did. I and, think we did, and I ordered like because we were. I think we were. This uh yeah, yeah we no we were no I think this when we were Victoria or something because I think we were underage. Maybe you oh, were. I was me. not part of that little adventure. No, yeah, I went to Canada once, and you could drink in Canada when you're 19 instead of 21. And so I went to this bar. I was 19, and I went to this like martini bar, and I ordered like <laughs> this like weird chocolate martini thing because <laughs> it was exactly that scenario. Like I was 19 years old, I had no idea what to order, and so I ordered like some designer martini off of the martini bar menu, and it was um uh it was like chocolate it had like whipped cream on it. It was like not a good drink to have. Great job, uh, yeah, great job. <laughs> um, and then did you get a fun montage with music playing over? Absolutely. And then go to the deposition, and they say, and what what did you talk about? And then it goes back, and it's just Trent Reznor music, which was oh god. Let's gone. talk about. It it was it was actually weird for me to see this soundtrack in a movie because I listen to the soundtrack all the time. Like this if I'm doing work, life. well, no, if I'm doing work or if I'm reading or anything, I listen to the Social Network soundtrack all the time. That's like a so, stellar idea. It's a great soundtrack. Like this one and the Tron Legacy soundtrack are the two soundtracks I probably <laughs> listen to the most. Uh-huh. If I'm just like reading or doing work have them on in the background so i listened to the soundtrack so much that it was actually weird for me to watch it in the movie it was actually a little distracting for me to watch it in the movie because i know this song so well that i was like listening for the chord changes and stuff (laughs) and it was distracting me from the dialogue so i recommend anybody please listen to this soundtrack when you're like reading and stuff yeah and picture yourself in a in a on a rowing on crew yeah coming into the that wasn't into focus. What is that called when? So they were using tilt shift for that, tilt which is shift. super That's cool. I mean, they were doing it in a, a weird way because usually you don't use tilt shift for super for uh, close ups or one shots. You usually use them just for the background shot, but it kind of mm-hmm. makes everything look like toys, yeah. like little toys. That's how I've seen it done in architecture. Yeah, and so I thought it was so cool to use tilt shift in a movie because I watch tilt shift videos a lot online because they're so interesting to watch. But to actually see it in the movie was really interesting. So that tilt shift sequence was super cool. Um, and then I just I want to just touch on this at the very beginning of the movie when he's doing the coding for face mash. They have like him coding in the bedroom, in the dorm room, and then they juxtapose that with a finals club party. And it was so interesting to me because he's basically coding this experience and everybody else is out there living it. Oh. And that's that's what I'm talking about. Like this movie has so many kind of uh subtle things that are underneath a lot of dual meanings. So like we're talking about relationships and status at the first scene of this movie, and it's a really interesting scene between two people, but its larger message is basically what Facebook becomes. Uh, the coding thing kind of perfectly shows us what Mark is doing. He's trying to recreate the college experience, but he ha- doesn't have the actual college experience to lean back on. Mm-hmm. He's 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 programming the facade, not the experience itself. Well, he's looking um, at the equation on the window, yeah. Which really, in the background, the college experience is occurring, and he's right. He's kind of like you said, juxta. It's the overlay. 
Yeah. Because that's just, he has difficulty relating. Yep. Um, there's a great thing when, after Sean Parker gets busted at the, at the, uh, house party, he calls Mark and then Mark picks up the phone and you could tell that he's the only person at Facebook at that point. Cause they're like the janitors are there. Yeah. Everybody's gone and, to the party. Yeah. And Sean goes, Hey Mark, something's happened at that exact moment. The two lights at the conference room turn off behind him. So oh, small things like that. I miss that. That are cool little subtle subtext things that are just beautiful icing on the cake to a Fincher movie, man. I just want to go back to what I said at the beginning. It astounds me what a great director David Fincher is. And I don't think he needs the Oscar to have this legacy. I think at the very least he's going to get a Lifetime Achievement Award because he has just proven it. It's it's self-evident. You know, it's the type of thing, if you're really good at business, you don't have to go around telling people you're good at business. It should be self-evident that you're good at business. Not to point any fingers at anybody. <laughs> but it's the thing with David Fincher. He doesn't have to go around. He doesn't have to get an award to tell people that he's a, a good director. He's got the the legacy that proves it. And this is just another, this is another beautiful film from him. I'm just astounded by it and uh gosh i can't wait to watch these final two and then we're gonna do the bonus house of cards right i wonder what he put on his on his live journal the night that uh, (laughs) david fincher put up after he didn't get the oscar yeah this is garbage i'm gonna make an even better film girl with i feel like if he didn't win that if he didn't win for this one over hooper Oh man, I can't believe Hooper won. Yeah, he's gonna those. end up getting like the lifetime one where they'll just pick a film, but it'll really <laughs> you know, and it won't be as good as this, but yeah. they'll give it to him anyways yeah. just to just to I make don't him know, feel dude. better. The Coens when they won theirs, they had a similar track record, but they won it for their best film. So maybe his best film is still yet to be made, which is makes World me excited. World War Z too. Yeah. That's now rumored that they put that on IMDb mm, after no. Brad Pitt opened his mouth. Please no. Please <laughs> no. He's never made an action movie. Not, yeah. an, I mean, I guess Girl with the Dragon Tattoo might be the closest, but even that's, that's not an not action an action movie. movie. Yeah, there's a lot more going on there that's his. <sighs> Ooh, Please, after Girl no. with the ja- Dragon Tattoo, we do get Justin Timberlake featuring Jay-Z suit and tie. So well, you should oh, watch right. that, too, just to see him get back together back with yeah. JT, yep. our boy. The um, yeah, I just <laughs> want to throw in a couple zingers before this ends. Well, one Please. of them... There's a thing where uh, there is a line in this movie where Mark Zuckerberg says private behavior is a relic of a time gone by. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Once in that, once again, great subtext. Yeah. To that. That's Aaron um, Sorkin's beautiful. He's just, yeah. he has this quotable thing that he likes to do. That's very yeah. masturbatory. I would, as I would argue right. because it's yeah. in a way that nobody ever speaks, but he writes it in a way that makes it seem like people would drop those little nuggets in an mm-hmm. everyday conversation. Yes, there's a lot of philosophical stuff. Like if you watch sports night, uh, which is might be his least known show, uh, but Sports Night, there's way too much philosophy in a show about basically Sports Center. Yeah, well, uh, but there's a lot of philosophy. Room, in right? it. Yeah, Newsroom, The West Wing, Sports Night, uh, some other stuff too. But, um, but there's a great zinger in here that he puts in the movie, and I just want to end with this, which is if so, I can't remember the context, but somebody had said something that was like a zinger. It was basically an Aaron Sorkin zinger, and uh, oh, it was the um, it was when the Winklevoss twins were in with the president of Harvard, yep. and they kind of like recite this wonderful zinger to him that like you know you need to stand up, blah 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 blah, and he responds with you memorize that instead of doing what, <laughs> which is such a good line. That like, whole scene was, yeah, I was U.S. Treasury Secretary, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty great. It was pretty great. And he was right. He oh, was yeah. absolutely right. He was absolutely right in saying that you guys need to go find something else yep. to do. Just do because, something else. Yeah. If you're that clever, do. you can do it again. Yeah. 
you could do it again. And guess what? If you don't have the chops to actually pull off your idea, maybe you should do something that you do have the chops to pull off. Keep rowing, Just boys. So. Keep rowing. Okay, Double well that's army hammer. That's a lot of that that flew by, dude. Yeah, I mean it's I could a, really talk about this movie for a while, but Yep. It's theme uh, his I mean we could just this would be a great one to dissect scene by scene. Yep. yep it absolutely. It really was gorgeous. Yeah. Um okay, well that's this movie. Uh that's the social network. Uh coming up next we get the girl with the dragon tattoo, which I'm super excited about. Um starring Rooney Mara, who is of course in this movie. Uh, I actually I actually watched another Rooney Mara movie today. Uh, I watched Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh, I want, how was that? I really want to see it. It was g- extremely impressive. Shit. Extremely impressive on a lot of fronts. Uh, and she voices two of the evil uh, characters in that movie who are mm-hmm. twins. That's interesting. I'll have so, to. I that's a movie I have. I've got to figure out. I've got to. Maybe instead of PAX, I'm going to tell Liz I'm going to PAX, and instead I'm going to just go see, see these movies that I've been dying to see. <laughs> well, that's interesting, though, because uh, Army Hammer plays twins in The Social Network, which Rooney Mara is in, and then Rooney, Rooney Mara plays twins in Kubo and the Two Strings. I smell a fan theory. Fan theory? All right. Uh, oh, shit. We got we to gotta talk about this fan theory. Yes, Sorry. please. Wait. This one's going to go over because it's such a good movie, but we got we to gotta hit on this fan theory. Yep. Freddie from Denton, Denton, Texas, knocked it out of the park. This is Eric's stupid fan theory via Freddie this week. Uh, my theory is that Mark Zuckerberg was behind the whole movie and wanted it made just so that he could be the first one to write himself into the Hollywood history books. He also insisted on the finer points of the film being inaccurate and exaggerated in order to taint the waters for any future biopics. From now on, if someone attempts to make a Facebook Zuckerberg film, it will be considered too boring to greed lights. Such a great fan theory. Perfect. Uh, Perfect fan theory. Yep. I believe I it. That. I buy it. I think yes. he he called David Fincher and said, listen, <laughs> I've got the story for you. I mean, he got David Fincher. He got Aaron Sorkin to write the script. Aaron Sorkin won the Academy Award for this. Uh, they got Trent Reznor to do the soundtrack. Basically, they pulled out all the stops for this one. Uh, and I, I, I love that fan theory. Yeah, it, yeah. Because they even talk about it in the movie. Like, you should know the importance of being first. This, this yeah. was Mark Zuckerberg's That's importance the- <laughs> of being first. It's just, it's, I believe it. It was, and yeah. I, like I said, it's just he muddied the waters immediately and yeah. This versus this is where Steve Jobs falls mm-hmm. short. This is where Mark Zuckerberg beats him, right? Because everybody keeps making Steve Jobs movies, pointing out the fact that he was a neglectful father. He was a right. Benjamin Button, yep, and a terrible human being. Ultimately, I mean, it's end. it's kind of it's kind of ingenious, and you're totally right. By the way, you you made the point that post 2010, Mark Zuckerberg is a lot better on camera. Oh yeah, and this is the funny thing about this man. Maybe he hired some publicity firm, and the publicity firm is like, "Okay, first step one, we make a biopic of you. Step two, we reinvent your image. Yeah, make you understandably yeah vicious in the movie, and then yeah. we make you friendlier afterwards. Exactly. By contrast, so you're actually juxtaposed against a fictional depiction of yourself. Genius, genius. Yeah. All right. All right, that's good. That's good. So uh, please go on the forums. We love the forum posts. Forums.baldmove.com. There'll be a forum there for Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. You can also send us an email, directpodcast at gmail.com. And until next week, I'm Eric. I'm Levi. Cut.